Okay, fantastic. Here we are. I say we call this episode one. Why well, the last one episode zero? Episode zero, the prequel. We're the prequel. The one that no one's gonna listen to. <laughs> you have to listen to the prequels. Like you have to like listen to it and hate it. That's and then be like, okay, there's gotta be some goodness. Right. This, right. Like prequel to any like okay, any law book, it's right. all about the person. And yeah. you're just like, okay, I get it. Like you've done well in your career. Or um I mean, you know I'm a nerd, so Star Wars, the prequels are that is true. Super terrible. Yeah. Um, well, and plus it's a big step up in the next guest having Judge Sandow versus me. Yeah, this is this is like you know having uh, <laughs> just like a a regular Joe and then um, you know the, the CEO of a company. <laughs> like if you went to Amazon. And the first interview with was a regional sales director, and then the second was Jeff Bezos. This is what we're doing here. Just uh, to, it's a huge jump. It is. Uh, it helps that he is uh, one of the most renowned judges in Harris County, right? I mean, he had a Texas Supreme Court shot. Um, I thought he was going to win it, to be honest. I thought he was yeah. one of the first ones. First judge of South Asian descent and elected in Texas. First judge to sign an order granting parental leave to counsel which I didn't know was such a hot topic, but apparently some attorneys are just like, oh, you're about to give birth. No, we're going to still try this case. Yeah. That's ridiculous. First judge to minimize costs and expedite discovery matters. And then first judge to organize a pro bono program for, you know, people who can't find counsel. Uh, that's, that's a lot of firsts. I know. And, <laughs> and, you know, the interesting thing is, and of course, you know, I feel like I hope, I hope this podcast eventually gets out to more than just the Houston, you know, Harris County area. But I mean, if you practice in Harris County, you know Judge Sandel, right? Yeah. And you know, uh, when I started practicing, uh, I found the most interesting thing is that, uh, you know, it's just, sometimes I scratch my head and, and I can't wait to ask him this is, why? You know, he was very successful and did great and you know, and was well, you know, very well respected, um, you know, uh, in the bar. And then, you know, to, you know, take a position uh, I mean, I mean, it's really, I guess, a testament to his service because being an elected official is not easy. And uh, it's going to be interesting to hear what motivated him to do that. So I'm, I'm excited to hear what went into that, that thought process. But, you know, it's nice to go into a courtroom and to be treated fairly, to yeah. know your briefs are going to be read, yeah. better or worse, you know. I mean, you, you know. Sometimes and, it works for me. Well, sometimes yeah. it works. <laughs> <laughs> How many times do you have that feeling in your gut when the judge says, well, I've read everyone's emotion, you're like, damn it. Oh, that's, uh, I was hoping you hadn't so you could listen to my argument, uh, but, uh, especially but, when there's like a typo somewhere, like, you know, there's a typo, yeah. it was an actual accident mm-hmm. and you're just doing it and then you're like, oh, you read it. I'm like, okay, well, hopefully you didn't get that. <laughs> yeah. and, and then also too, you know, Judge Handel's very active on social media. Um, yeah. I follow his Instagram and have for a while, not just for the podcast, um, which, uh, you know, I've always enjoyed it. I, th- I think those that embrace you know, kind of that, um, I don't know, the, the emerging technology. I mean, mm-hmm. that's something you got to be doing these days. Um, and, you know, it's, I mean, his, his website, Judge Sandel, and Judge, exactly as you think it's spelled in his last name, S-A-N-D-I-L-L, his Instagram, R-K Sandel, so R-K-S-A-N-D-I-L-L. Um, I, I mean, all of it's good stuff. And it's, it's, a, it's a fun follow, and it's not just your typical 
um, I don't know, generic. It's obvious it looks like he runs it himself as opposed to, you know, what other lawyers and other judges get. No, I mean, he has personal pictures on there. Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you see, you get a glimpse of his kind of life and what he does. So I, I, I think it's really cool. He has a Facebook as well, too, that he, I mean, he does personal pictures and he, and he talks about what he's doing on daily and he has his own thoughts. Like, I, I, I don't like that, you know, people talk about how, you know, attorneys, we have to be very, very careful about our political opinions or anything yeah. like that. He's just like, this is what I believe. And this is what you know, I, I, I mean, as a, I can get behind that more even if I don't agree with you know, any elected official's opinions, as long as they're consistent and, and they're genuine. I feel like that's really what you want too, because I always thought, hey, wouldn't that be the worst to run on a platform you don't believe in? And then you actually get elected and then you have to uphold those, <laughs> those, those promises and those views and those things that you're like, oh, yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, that's, that's always something that's good. But yeah, no, I'm excited to hear judges, um, you know, position. I know that you actually, uh, you, you know, you know uh, this judge better than I do. Yeah, I clerked for him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I clerked for first year. I uh, got kind of a taste of litigation. And, uh, you know, we get into this. I'm gonna, we're going to talk about my first case. So, you know, uh, day one after, uh, you know, your 1-0 terrible year, I go and start there. And I get a, uh, a TRO that's been filed into the court and they just show up down there and we'll get into it. But it was kind of crazy. I was like, I don't know if I want to do litigation or even be a lawyer or honestly even want to do any of this. But it's it's pretty funny that's it uh, that's the other thing that kind of blows my mind a little bit is you know i we're all so egocentric and we think that the world and the, and the courthouse is only our courthouse in the sense of you know like it's all personal injury it's all you know our types of matters but you know presiding over you know, so many issues yeah so many issues yeah and like we sit there and we think about our issues and we're just like this is a complex issue right like how do i make this simple for the judge yeah right or we're like this is a complex issue the judge is going to notice he does pi all the time right right yeah well the judge also has you know, like huge class actions or, or, yeah. or just construction issues. I don't know anything about construction, yeah. right? And I know it's super complex. So yeah, no, it's gonna be kind of crazy hearing from them because I couldn't do that. Judge, I really appreciate you coming on here. I really do. How how are y'all doing? Let's uh, let's get the pleasantries out of the way. I mean, I haven't I haven't talked to you in years. Yeah, how- it's been been like what two years since you yeah. since you swam in like three years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, good. Uh, I've learned a lot, a lot. Um, it's a I'm steep learning... learning curve, man. It's a very it, steep learning it's, curve. It's it's uh, it's not it's not steep. It's just an all-out drop. <laughs> That's what yeah. I learned. And and every case that I take on, like now, I think with Jeff Jeff's guidance, like I've kind of figured out, you know, how to do car accidents and car collisions and, and all that pretty well. But whenever I start doing stuff kind of out of the wheelhouse, I'm like, okay, yeah. what what is this like? okay, maybe they got me here, maybe not. And, but it's good. It's been really good. I've, I've enjoyed it. I, I got to hand it to you because the first time you and I, you know, met, it was through Molip, right? And yeah. uh, that was pretty cool. I didn't think at the time I was going to actually do litigation. I was like, oh, that'd be cool, but I don't know if I'm fit for it. And then I saw everything in your courthouse. And I'm like, okay, I really like this. Let's do this. And I could probably litigate better than these guys, which I learned that's not true. It's going to take a lot more time. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a blessing to have somebody that is really hungry on the litigation side. And then to do stuff like this is all his idea. I'm just, yeah. uh, I'm just uh, trying to. This is his wheelhouse though, right? I right, mean, yeah. if I remember correctly, you're into this kind of like broadcasting sports sort yeah. of. A little bit. I listen to it like constantly. Yeah, uh, it's really cool. You know, I wish I had the. I wasn't as lazy as I am because uh, <laughs> I really think it would be interesting. But it just takes so much. 
it seems to me that it takes a decent amount of planning and, you know, and you're at the whim of people's schedules. And I mean, after doing this gig for 12 years, it's, it's hard for me to let someone else control my schedule. So, uh, right. I mean, but this, I'm glad kudos to you for, you know, putting in the energy and, well, you know, I, I mean, I got to call BS on you saying you're lazy because I follow your Instagram. I follow your social media and you're what you're, you're very active on there. And yeah. you're, we're commenting on the intro about how it is not only is it active, but it's worthwhile. It's a, you know, it's a good voice. It's, it's one of the, I mean, one of the few judges I know that have really, really embraced that. I, I mean, I like it. I like it. I, I mean, I think it's interesting. Yeah. Stuff. You know, and I think Mike and I probably talked about this when he interned. I go, you know, there's no one gives a shit what Ruby thinks. The people <laughs> here, but people care what judge Sandil has to say. Right. And so it's, you know, if, if you don't, my, I've always felt that if you don't do something with the platform, why have it? Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is, you know, kind of how some of the things that we're, we're discussing that we wanted to talk with you of, you know, what made you or, or you know, what made you make the jump to become judge Sandil versus just Rob, you know, Robin, yeah. because that, I mean, take us into that room because I feel like that is a big career. That's a big decision. It's uh, you know, it's not an interesting story. So um, I, I wish it was a better story, but you know, I've been involved in politics, mostly national politics uh, in undergrad and in, and in law school for a little bit. And then um, clerked for a year and just sort of went about my business. And then in 2007, we had just adopted our son Asher from, uh, and we brought him home from Guatemala. I think we brought him home in May of 2007. And I think in June of that year, the local party asked me if I wanted to run for judge. And, you know, I never really thought about running for a trial court bench. I'd clerked at the appellate court straight out of law school. And so I'd always sort of been like, you know, this is where it's at. You know, if you're, if you've ever done appellate work uh, or if you've ever clerked at an appellate court, you read these cold records and you think, Oh my God, these trial judges are idiots. Like, how do you, <laughs> how do you possibly get that wrong? Right. I mean, it's this basic tenant, tenant of evidence. How do you mess it up? And so, you know, that was my perspective going, I don't want to be a trial court judge. I go, those guys are always getting stuff wrong. But in terms of making that decision, you know, the firm that I was working with was a small one and I asked them and they were all for it. They were very, they were very enthusiastic about me running for this, for the seat that I had been slated for. Uh, my wife was enthusiastic, and then this is the kicker, and this is the funny story about all this, is I went to go talk to my judge that I clerked for, and I was like, you know, Justice Co Judge Cohen, I never called him Justice Judge, I go, you know, I've got this opportunity, I'm not sure what to do with it, you know, we, we're starting a family, I'm 31 years old, I just, what do you do, and he just looked at me, he's like, Robbie, are you stupid, he's like, all, all being a litigator is about is getting your name out there so you can get work. He goes, that's, that's, you'll learn that as you go on. Right. I mean, right. You're, you're as big as your book. Right. Oh, so he goes, and he goes, and if the Democrats win this time, he's like, they're going to find way better candidates than you. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, with that, you know, that boost of confidence, right. uh, <laughs> uh, sent me on my way. Uh, and it was, you know, it was exciting. I never, I never, like I said, never did anything local. I was always, I, you know, I worked for Senator Kerry's office in D.C. I worked for Congressman Lloyd Doggett. I'd worked for uh, President Clinton and the First Lady, but I'd never done anything on the ground. And so the experience of running is one that you either love or hate, right? Because it's, you're, you're always, it's kind of like being a trial attorney and networking because you're constantly going out there, you're meeting new people, you're trying to not, you know, 
not slip up and make yourself look bad, but you're always trying, you're always on and always trying to be engaged. And so I really, really enjoyed that. And, you know, that was the year uh, President Obama was on the ticket. It was the first time in 14 years that Harris County uh, had elected a countywide Democrat. And so, you know, it was, you, you know, I think it was uh, a little bit of effort and a lot of luck. And, you know, and I, I was able to, to make it. And so, you know, the story is, like I said, it's not, it's not a great story because it's not, you know, I didn't, I'm the first lawyer in my family. It wasn't like, oh, you know, my parents or my cousin or my uncle was a lawyer and I was, you know, knew I wanted to do this. It was just sort of like the opportunity arose and, you know, you take it, right? You either take it or you don't take it. And then you sort of your life plays out the way it plays out. Well, it, I think it's played out pretty well, yeah. uh, uh, to be perfectly honest for you. I mean, for better or worse, we were also joking about earlier about how uh, yours is one of the, the few courtrooms where you walk in and typically you hear, well, I've read the motions, I've read the brief, you're like, oh, man, you know, I mean, you, know <laughs> you know, you know, it has to be, you know, prepared because you're going to read the law and, yeah. uh, got to be ready for that but it, yeah that's you know i can imagine that it seems like you know it, it's not bad and jeff you know just to your point about you know coming into the courtroom i've always i'm not a i think it's two things is one thing is i you know i don't want to waste your time i don't want to waste my time yeah. right and so if you've said it in the papers i don't need to hear it again uh and secondly right i mean i think we we live in this everyone lives in a bubble but i think when you come into the courtroom or you come to the courthouse you, you enter a new bubble, right? And you enter a bubble in which, you know, you're, if you're the advocate, you're, you're the person who knows the most about this topic and you're going to go in there and educate the judge. And, you know, and what I've learned is, and what I hope is that the seventh amendment and uh, the trial courts stay open for as long as I'm alive and, and longer. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with money. Right. And so if, if you go in there and start, you know, regurgitating your motion, and it, you spend 15 minutes and the, the next woman spends 15 minutes and the next woman or the next guy. And then you you know, your 10 o'clock docket doesn't end until 4 PM. And you've got some poor client spending six hours of time for a 15 minute hearing. And so I think, you know, I try to build in a lot of efficiency or as much efficiency as possible because I think it's the only way to keep, for y'all, the business aspect of it alive. For me, the procedural, constitutional imperative uh, alive, right? I mean, we w I want to make sure that people come to the courthouse and look at the courthouse as a way to get their disputes resolved in an economic and an efficient way. And I want to make sure that y'all keep having business, right? Because if people say it's not worth going to the courthouse because it takes six hours to get a 10-minute motion heard, I mean, they're going to be, they're going to look to other methods. You're going to look at arbitration. They're going to look at binding mediations and things like that. And so, you know, it's, it's, a, I, I try to look at everything I do from 35,000 feet, right? Because I know my life is bigger than me as, you know, as, as much as I don't want it to be, uh, but it is. And so, uh, you know, I try to look at all aspects of that to make sure that, you know, we're creating the best atmosphere of the community for the community we live in. So, you know, as, as you know, I clerk with you 1L, you know, so I finished my 1L year and I think it's like the first part of the summer. So it was probably like a couple of days after I took my finals, I come to your court and the first thing I hear, I don't know if you know this, but the first thing I heard was a TRO and, and, you know, we won't get into the attorneys or whatever, but you know, you, you come, you're like, Hey, look, this isn't normal. Don't think this is normal. Okay. 
but uh, we're going to have to have, I'm debating if we need to have more bailiffs at this TRO. Like, what? You're like, well, the attorneys had a fist fight outside. <laughs> and I was like, well, what? what is going on? And you're like, look, um, just, uh, just stay behind the bailiffs. I was like, okay. <laughs> Uh, immediately I rethought all of my life decisions. Like it was like, not even, I was like, do I really want to do this? For the rest of my life? I, 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 but you know, besides that, you know, I, 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 everything I've seen, you've been very, very fair. I know you read the motions. I know you read every single thing that's been filed to a T. And in fact, you know, now when I'm in front of any judge, I get freaked out when they say that because I know you also call out typos. You also call out mistakes and grammatical <laughs> errors. <laughs> and uh, you really do make sure that each attorney comes in knowing what they're saying instead of acting like they know what they say, you know, and that's really important. It's really important well, to our know, justice system. And, you know, it's interesting. And I was just on, I did a happy hour last night and it was, it's fascinating, right? Because we've sort of transitioned from this in-person world to the Zoom world. And, you know, what, what you're talking about is, you know, the judges being prepared. And I think you're, you're likely seeing more of that, right? Because the judges, one, we have a lot more time because we're not trying cases right now. I think we picked the first civil jury on Monday. That's the mm -hmm. first one being picked uh, since March. But um, we, judges have more time. And, and because of that, I think, you know, the hearings are longer. People are, uh, the judges are more engaged. They expect lawyers to be more engaged. And I made this, you know, I made this point yesterday was, you know, and y'all probably, y'all are smaller firms. So you probably don't have this issue as much as, you know, maybe a, a, a big, you know, one of those big firms that's got hundreds of lawyers and the partner always comes in and argues the motion regardless of who wrote it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I've said, I don't want to see, I, the only person I want to see at a hearing is the person who wrote the motion. Because at the end of the day, I'm going to know the motion as well as that person. And if you're just a script lawyer, it's not going to, it's not going to work out well, right? Because I, I have a lot more time now and I've got, a, I've got the ability to dig down. And, and so I think being prepared to argue your motion, being well-versed in it is, is, is a huge deal, right? And when I was, I did some criminal work uh, very briefly and I remember uh the person that sort of mentored me in that told me, he's like, listen, you, you want to be the smartest person in the room on whatever's being said that day. He's like, you may not be the smartest person in the room on everything, but whatever's being talked about in that moment, you want to be the smartest person in the room. And I, you know, and my fear is that oftentimes, uh, you know, the lawyers who are arguing it aren't the smartest person in the room on that issue. And I think, I think that's somewhere that I think we just sort of need to see that transition. And if that means younger lawyers come in and argue things because they're the ones who are writing it, that maybe that's where we need to be headed because it's the world has changed. And I think for the better, because I think the laws, the law, at least in state court, will become more contemplative, uh, will become more thorough uh, because we have slowed down the pace a little. You know, you're not putting 40 people in a courtroom at a 10 o'clock docket yeah. and then have an 11 o'clock docket backed up to it. Yeah. So, you know, you've got, you know, a 9.15, a 9.30, a 9.45, a, 9 a 10.15 hearing. So you've got time. I'm taking up all your, all your time. I apologize. I just, you know, I just thought, you know, when you brought up that point, I should. No, no, absolutely. No, that's, that's, that's exactly the kind of stuff we're looking for. Yeah. I mean, because I, I think the target audience for this is younger lawyers, 
um, you know, that, that are trying to get advice, trying to hear these insights. And I think that's really great to hear people, you know, if you're writing the motion, you should be advocating to your partner. Hey, let me go argue this. Let me get in front of the judge and do this. And this is why um, it's interesting that me and uh, Mike are very, I would say opposite in the sense of what we have experienced and what we feel more comfortable doing. I, I mean, I started off as a um, ADA here in Harris okay. County, jumped from there to Allstate, went from Allstate to Germer, and then I started my own practice. And I had been trying cases between, I mean, my first week, I tried my first case on the Wednesday, my first week at the DA's office. And then at Allstate, I tried o- almost 20 cases within, you know, 18 months. Yeah. So my motion practice is not very good. I'm much better at trial because I didn't, you know, that's all there's, there's no motion practice at the DA's office. Yeah. And then with all state, it's go to trial, go to trial. The more complex, you know, the issues get. And, you know, when we start dealing with bigger cases, um, you know, we're even now doing mass torts and some of that, you know, there's a lot of motion and briefing work. You know, it's great to have someone like Mike, and I think it's a great point to what you just made is the person writing should argue because now you have that writing skill. You've got that arguing, you know, the, the, to be able to give them an advocate, you know, well, in front of the so, judge. And so advocating on Zoom is so much different than advocating in person, right? Yeah, advocating right. on Zoom is, is way more conversational. It's a conversational advocacy. It's not a, you know, you know, point your finger at the other person or, or you know, it's a much less dramatic and so I think, you know, it, it, it takes a different skill set yeah. and it takes the ability not only to think on your feet, but you also need to be well versed in what's been written uh, because you need to be able to reach back into the motion and beyond. Right. I mean, the, when I was at the Court of Appeals, we always talked about peeling back the onion. Right. And so when you write a motion, I make it the first two layers of the onion. Right. But you as, a, as the author of the motion know the onion down to its core. And so you need to be able to retrieve that information if it's necessary. And, but you need to be able to do it in, in a very sort of relaxed and conversational way, because like, just like we're talking here is basically like how all hearings go on zoom. I mean, it's not, it's not, you know, we'll judge it to my motion yet. I mean, I don't care whose motion it is. I mean, I've got, you know, I've got these questions, and I got, I'm, you've got 30 minutes of my time. And if I don't use the 30 minutes with you, then I got to find something to do for 15 minutes. <laughs> I, the thing is that 15 minutes isn't long enough to get into anything. Right. No. So how right? Many, just, just out of curiosity, how many times do the arguments actually sway your opinion? I mean, after you've read the law, you've read the motion, you feel pretty good with it. I, I mean, is there, I mean, just rough swag. Do you go in thinking, uh, this is what I'm thinking. And then you just hear something in the argument. I didn't even, I mean, does that happen a lot or does it pretty much stick to what you think it's, how it's going to happen? It happens mostly on dispositive stuff, right? I mean, where I'm swayed by argument and it's oftentimes because um, as much as I, I read stuff, it's hard to read like 300 pages of exhibits, right? I just right. can't read them that closely. And even if I do feel like I've read them closely, you know, if it's my sixth or seventh hearing of the day, by the time I've gotten to it, I've, I've likely forgotten or I don't remember it as, as crisply as I did when I was looking at it. And so I think those motions have the ability. I mean, those hearings have the ability to sway me because, like, you know, judge on, you know, page three of exhibit I, you know, if you read this paragraph. And I think, you know, when you're when you're talking about those sorts of things, those dispositive motions and that are exhibit heavy is, you know, 
for the young lawyers out there. And I think the one way you can prove your worth and prove the ability for you to actually do the hearing is master the share screen, understand how it works, understand how to transfer files within a zoom, right? Understand, uh, that you know the technology may not be the easiest thing for the for the older partner or the older associate working with you, uh, but if you know how to do it, you you become invaluable, right? And that's sort of the same thing in the in the courtroom, right? If you're second sharing a case, and you're just sitting there watching your partner try a case, you're not learning anything, right? But if you're in there and you're working the laptop, you're working the Elmo, you're you know you're you're able to put up whatever whatever needs to be done, it tends to um, give confidence not only to you, but also to the, to the person you're working with, right? Because, oh, look, you know, uh, she's so competent in doing all this, I'm going to go ahead and let her do a witness, right? Because she's, she's shown that she knows her way on, on this stuff. There's no reason that she can't do that. And so, you know, I think for young lawyers, it's, you, have to, you have to pick your niche because it's, it's hard. It's hard, especially when you're working with someone older who wants, uh, who wants all, the, all the court time. Um, but you know, <laughs> but it's uh, on, on a lot of motions though. There's not, you know, a, a lot of motions aren't, you know, they're mostly discovery, right? We see a lot of discovery motions, uh, and so those aren't. You, you're just sort of looking at them, and you're and you're looking through the rules and trying to figure out what's relevant and what's not. And mostly on discovery stuff. And I know that's one of the topics I wanted to bring up today. I think you know my my preference is to try to get rid of the bottleneck as quickly as possible. And so um, one thing we've done in my court for the last two or three years is, you know, we've required uh, instead of full blown motions to compel, which are God knows how long, uh, you know, tons of exhibits, uh, tons of exhibits and that, you know, that no one's read, right. I mean, no one, No one's read them. And then, you know, you get the, you not only get the exhibit of what was propounded, but then you get the exhibit of the propound, what was propounded in the response. And I'm just thinking, why would, why, what do I care what was propounded, right? I mean, I mean, I want to see the whole thing. I don't need, instead of six exhibits, I only need three, but any, that's, you know, that's far afield. But uh, we do the two page, uh, the complainant sends two pages. And as soon as I get those two pages, I read it. And within 15 minutes, I tell my clerk to ask for a one page response within 48 hours. Uh, and then we set a hearing within 96 hours. Uh, and so we do that because it's one, it makes the parties have to actually talk to each other, right? Something that's happening that quickly is not the normal in the state district courts. Yeah. And, and then secondly, it, allows the parties to actually distill what they really want. Because mm-hmm. you've probably seen this on a motion to compel, you know, they've sent 50 RFPs and the motion to compel is about 45 of them, right? When they have to distill it into two pages, I'm not getting each one, I'm getting groups or categories. And that's what I want to see. I want to see the category, the categorical uh, issues as opposed to the sort of specific granulated issues. And then we have a here, you know, we have a hearing and I'd say, you know, 25% of the hearings get passed because the parties, parties uh, figure it out. And if they don't, then, you know, we set a 15 minute discovery conference and usually like, oh yeah, we can do that or we can do this, but we figure it out. And if I can't figure it out, then I'll ask for a motion to compel. But I would say, you know, in the last three years, maybe 10 or 15% have gone to a motion to compel actually. Uh, so for me, it's, you know, it's, it saves time and it saves money. Uh, and, you know, just for all the young folks that don't know, anytime you file a motion to quash now, 
you get a, a setting within 96 hours and the 127 without a response necessary. Cause I don't, you know, our big fear was with COVID people would start filing motions, uh, you know, depot notices with zoom and people would file a motion to quash right away. Yeah. And so what we, what I didn't want was discovery being bottlenecked because of an issue that, you know, wasn't that, wasn't that big of a deal to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, granted, I'm still, you know, I'm still in my, can I'm 44. So I'm like mid forties, young forties, <laughs> but, uh, so, you know, now, and I didn't really think about this when I did it, but you know, it was a unintended consequence, but I think is a good unintended consequence was now motions to quash DWQs are set within 96 hours. Well, so if I get a motion question, you know, we, we get that heard right away. And so I don't know what it means at the end of the day, because cases aren't going to go to trial at the pace that we're used to, yeah. but I'm hoping that if the parties can work up their case. They're in a, they're in a settlement posture as quickly as possible because I, you know, at the end of the day, I don't have any work if y'all don't have any work. Right. No, that's, that's right. I mean, we've been, uh, spending a lot of time just working up our cases for trial and then ends up settling. And I, I'm assuming the judges are happy on that. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's the weird symbiotic relationship with everybody. You know, as much as sometimes that we get our, you know, uh, feathers ruffled from very aggressive um, insurance companies defending the case, we always say, well, if you didn't have these terrible valuations, we wouldn't need these lawsuits and, uh, you know, you wouldn't be keeping us in business. And they say the same too. Thank you for yeah. continuing to file lawsuits. And then I can continue to hire more defense attorneys, you know? And so we all in a way need each other, but exactly what you said, we also need to be very efficient with, with what we're doing here. Um, cause I don't know about you, but I, I feel like this is going to be the new norm. I mean, I don't, I don't see how we can, if we're totally ever going to go back from something like this. Yeah. I mean, you know, the stats as of Tuesday of this week, I mean, you know, the state of Texas, this doesn't include Harris, Dallas or Williamson counties because we operate on our own zoom accounts, but in the state of Texas, they've used 800,000 hours of zoom. Wow. Right. Oh, I mean, that's, wow. I mean, you're not, and that the Harris County civil courts have used, uh, I think 24,000 hours of zoom. Wow. Uh, Man, and so, got that zoom stuck. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, at the beginning of the pandemic, it was selling at like 97. Now it's like 250 or something. Uh, but, uh, it's, uh, it's amazing, right? So the, anything that's become that woven into the fabric of what we do is never going to go away. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I just, you know, it's for us, I mean, if y'all have cases with minors, right. Guardian and Latin hearings over zoom are awesome. People don't have to take a day off of work. You don't have to have people come down to the courthouse. People who aren't, you know, don't normally come to the courthouse. When you have folks, when you have witnesses on a small hearing, they don't need to come down. If you have out of town lawyers, they don't need to come down. And if, you know, if you're having a summary judgment hearing, I don't see the need to have it in person, right? Because everything's filed in the record. And, and, And it's a lot more comfortable I think people are more comfortable being in their own offices with their own binders and, mm. you know, but that again means that you have to be familiar with the technology. You know, you need to know how to, you know, share your screen, transfer files, and you have to be a little bit more uh, willing to work with opposing counsel because if you are having an evidentiary hearing over Zoom, you need to make sure that they get the exhibits ahead of time that, you know, everyone gives the exhibits to the court reporter. So it takes a little bit more planning and a little bit more, um, a a little less of an adversarial relationship with the other side. But I think at the end of the day, it it saves a lot of time and energy, but 
Yeah, I mean, it's not going. I don't see it going away. I mean, it's. Yeah. I, I I don't. If we ever go back to a pre-March 2020 state, I mean, you'll still have half your hearings via Zoom. Yeah, I think so. I, yeah, I, think, I think so too. Too. And I don't. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think yeah. it's you know it's it's where we're going, which is great. Which is yeah. great. I like the courthouse, but yeah. I guess so. <laughs> you know, my thing is I don't know how they're going to design courthouses in the future. I know. Yeah. Right. I mean, because it's, you know, it's uh, that to me is like the interesting sort of like fallout of this is, you know, with old school, you, everyone's got their own courtroom. And, you know, we're we're looking now that if you try a case in the civil district uh, on the civil side, you need to use your courtroom and your hall, hallway mates courtroom. Huh. So for me, it would be like Judge Carter and I would have to share a courtroom because we need we need the flow of people to go in one direction. Right. We don't need people flowing against each other. So people would go into his courtroom to use the restroom or whatever, and then come back down the hallway. And it's right. just fascinating um, uh, how this stuff works and how, you know, the choreography of it right. is, uh, is, is fascinating to me. Well, we're already looking at here too and in investing into, you know, different types of camera systems that can track people and pick up. So we could be in a more familiar setting, you know, in a conference room and make it feel very natural uh, and that technology is definitely out there. So you're right. I think, I mean, a lot of people on our end are already starting to take those considerations. It has to bleed down with everything. Uh, but yeah, it's really exciting stuff. I yeah. Mean, really. Our biggest yeah. concern was efficiency, right? Because like you said, you're in front of judge for X amount of time. If you want them to see this exhibit, you want them to see that, like make it as efficient as possible. Yeah. And, and if that requires you more time on the weekend to put those things together, and and send it to a court reporter wherever it needs to be done do it because the last thing you want to do is be in your own office tanking emotion <laughs> yeah well and i think you know for everyone out there i think you know courts are pretty amenable to giving you the time that you request on a hearing mm-hmm. but they need to know it right so if you just say hey i need a motion to, i just need a motion to compel hearing they're going to give you whatever they're going to give you what their normal slot of time is but if you if you need it to be evidentiary right i think people forget motion to compel hearings are evidentiary hearings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you're actually going to put on evidence, then ask for more time, right? I think right. most courts are going to give you that time. I, you know, the one thing that that I'm noticing and that we've sort of talked about it and uh, I talked about it a lot last night was it's going to require more work on the lawyer's part. The mm-hmm. lawyer has to, the, the lawyers have to be more engaged. They have to be better versed in what they're doing. And, you know, the issue has become, and we talked about trials a lot yesterday and, everyone's you know we don't want virtual juries we don't like this we don't like that and so we're you know this is not the best of times right and so we've uh, as a judiciary and, and on the administration justice side i mean our biggest concern is criminal courts right i mean that's why yeah. we're actually impaneling juries because they have a they have a constitutional right to a speedy trial they have all these things that come with uh, the fact that you know the state's trying to take away their liberty but we've got what we've got and so now the issue is how is the trial bench going to adapt? Because I don't think, you know, in terms of we're going to be tweaking what we've got, but I don't think we're changing what we've got. Right. And now it's, it's uh, incumbent upon uh, trial lawyers to, to look at this and say, how do we, how do we work within this new system and this system that is likely going to be there for a year, if not longer, right. Until, you know, we've got a deployable vaccine and we've reached, some sort of herd immunity that's in place. And, you know, and then the other consideration is 
you know, and I, you said some of your docket is a, is a car wreck docket. How do you bring a soft tissue injury when 170,000 people have died of COVID? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's uh, probably not on the forefront of people's minds, you know, on the jury. <laughs> yeah. Not, 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 not very much. Uh, and, and another thing that I think uh, I was making a joke with Jeff about yesterday, I was like, I'm so terrified of having a virtual jury because on a soft tissue case, you know, uh, they, they don't make dramas about those types of cases. Uh So I could foresee or imagine a jury member just, you know, I'm talking to the panel and I see over and I see a jury member with, you know, a Peloton going hard and and then having (laughs) a dog on the side. I'm terrified of that, you know? But you know, but let me ask this question. Let me posit this. What you think they'd wrap, in what situation do you think they're going to be more willing to listen to you? When you've brought them in with 65 people that they don't know, they don't know if those people have been staying safe, if they've gone to, you know, to a party the, the week before, or in a position where, and I think you have to be able to articulate this, right, if you have a virtual jury, that it's not for your benefit. If anything, you find it to be, you know, it may negatively impact you and your client, but you want to ensure the safety of the public, oh, absolutely. right? Yeah. And so I, I think you have to find a way, I mean, and, and I don't know if, People are so averse to trying new things, which, and I completely understand that, but the issue is if it it may be an easier sell, Mm -hmm. right? Because how do you, if you have a $30,000 soft tissue case, how are you going to sell putting 60, putting 65 people at risk? Yeah. 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 You just have to present the case differently. And and something I always bring up and uh, you know, about trying cases is I remember I was trying an assault family violence case and you know, I had a, a, big blow up of, you know, a woman with a black eye and 911 tape that was terrifying, blaring in the background. I look over the jury and two jurors are asleep. So, I mean, you know, if they're going to sleep through that, uh, what do you, you know, what do they think about a soft tissue? So you have to present and you have to pivot, not only pivot to make your case interesting, engaging and, and th- thoughtful to the jury, but now to do it digitally, it can be done. It has to be able to be done, yeah, but yeah. there's a way, you know, which no, I, I think so. You know, we've, and we've been talking, I've been talking to a bunch of folks and, you know, there's, you know, in my, in my court, we're going to be timing all our trials where you're not going to get more to, more than six to eight hours. And I've even, you know, I've told folks I will fast track their trial if they can, if they can basically piece together a video trial, right? I mean, you've mm-hmm. got everyone's depots taken. You put the depot cuts together. Uh, you come in live for an opening. You play your depot cuts, both sides, and then you live for a closing, right? And then, uh, you know, you put it on that way. And I don't know if that works. Uh, th- these are, you know, I'm, I'm open to ideas. I think most of the judiciary is open to ideas on how to get cases moving, but you know, like y'all said, I mean, y'all are sitting there working up your cases, looking for resolution, you know, and our job is to help you resolve your cases, right? One way or the other, if you get filed, our job is to get them gone. And so it's, it's an interesting time, but you know, the one thing I'll say is that everyone has been so kind, right? I mean, people, lawyers have been so good to each other, at least in front of me. I don't know what's going on in the background. <laughs> no, uh, no, no, they, they haven't. They've been really amenable, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> they've, been, they've, been so, they've been so kind. They've been, uh, you know, and, and people generally, I think are, are understandable because it's just a really crappy situation. Um, and, and we're kind of, you know, and I'll, and I'll tell you all this, and I brag about Harris County a lot, but I mean, if things are going to happen, they're going to happen here first, right? I mean, we are, I, you know, I ran for the Texas Supreme Court in 2018. 
Uh, I've worked on a lot of stuff, but I mean, a lot, when we do it here, just, it takes off throughout the state. One, because, you know, we're the second largest filing jurisdiction in the country. I mean, that's a huge part of it. But uh, it's also because we're actively engaged, right? We, uh, we're actively engaged with our bar and we, uh, we have a lot of new judges. So they were lawyers just, you know, fewer than two years ago. And so they understand the needs of the bar as well. I mean, the old fogies like me that have been around for 12 years are less engaged. I mean, aren't as, what's the word? It's not connected because I think we're all very connected. I think it's, we, you know, it's, we're so far away from having practiced that we don't, we don't feel it as, as intensely as the folks that just came on. Mm-hmm. And so I think the bar is very fortunate. And, and whether or not you like what's going on at NRG or what's going to go on at NRG <laughs> in the future, I think the fact that we've come into a place where we can call four juries a day, yeah, right, is pretty phenomenal, right? Yeah. And adequately protect people's health. And, and so, you know, I think I'm thankful that we work here. We've got really good, you, we've got really good judges that are engaged. Judge Hawkins, Judge Collier, really taken, uh, done a lot of work on getting this jury uh, jury stuff together and getting NRG set up. Um, and so. We'll see what happens, but I mean, I, you know, I, I'm very, I feel very positive about our profession. I think uh, it may not be great uh, right now in terms of employment, but if you've got a job, I think you're going to be very busy. And from what I've heard, people are fairly busy. I mean, I don't, I've got friends that do PI work like y'all do. And my wife's a, you know, a commercial litigator and she's busy. And so I, I don't see it. I don't see the impact as much, but you know, y'all tell me. Yeah, no, I mean, we've definitely still stayed busy. I I will say that the, what we've noticed is that because there are less, you know, particularly from the car wreck stuff, there's just less people on the road. So our intake's down, but that's given us the opportunity to really focus in on, um, you know. I've heard the cases are better though. Yeah, the cases and the ones we have now are getting extra attention. A new intake takes up a, a, a lot of work. Right. So, yeah. uh, so, so the fact that we can really maximize and really get, you know, have a hard look on the cases, uh, you know, you said something earlier that I thought was interesting about how if someone can package a case as a video and use the depositions that you prefer that I've also always been a big fan of a lot of stipulation stipulating to as much as you can to, to move a trial because yeah. as much as jur- uh, attorneys like to talk, I don't think juries want us here proving up these dis- discrete, you know, uh, elements of the law and if we could all just stipulate, yeah, it's good, you know, we're going to get to the meat and potatoes. And and Mike's, you know, Mike's Mike's seen me work. Uh, you know, we've we've been timing trials. I think for the last ten years. Uh, and and I'm a big I'm a big proponent of time trials because, first of all, you end up asking for more time than you're ever going to use because if you feel the pressure of time, you just know your case better. Right. You understand what you need to present. You present it quickly. You're less repetitious Mm -hmm. uh, and and you get it done. And so I think a lot of folks don't like being, you know, sort of walled in with the timing. But at the end of the day, I think it makes for a better case presentation and allows the lawyers to more succinctly and more directly present a case uh, than just having a meandering, you know, discussion about whether or not, you know, the Cosby's were on on a Thursday night or if they were on a Friday night. Right. I I agree. And I, and I think that, uh, you know, part of, 
uh, our job as attorneys is taking our client's narrative and putting it within the constraints of the law. So if that extra constraint is doing it via video, then that's a constraint that we have to just adapt to, right? That's well, kind of how I view things. And the thing is, is, you know, not all cases are going to be, you know, cases that you could even do in a video trial, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, but if it's a case on whether or not someone uh, ran a red light and it's a she said, she said case, right? I mean, I mean, if, if everything else is equal, you know that, you know, the only issue there is liability. No one's really arguing about damages. Then it seems to me that, you know, putting on a case in two hours helps everybody. Yeah. Right. Because, uh, but you know, the thing is it's, who knows, right. We have, I haven't done it. I haven't seen it done. Um, and I don't know if it would work and it would, you know, it would take a brave, a, a brave client because at the end of the day, the client has to okay it a brave set of clients to do something like that because you don't know if it's going to fall flat on its face or if it's going to, if it's going to work really well. And so it's, it's, it's fascinating, right? I mean, I think if I was to do something like that, and you know, this is just an idea for all those listening is maybe try to do it in a non-binding way, right? Yeah. Have a non-binding jury trial on something like that sort of as a test case. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, and you could just do it virtually then, yeah. right? Yeah. And see what happens and do a couple of those and figure out if it's where you think it would have, where you valued it anyways. That's interesting. Yeah. And that, that would work great if you have a really hateable client just get in and out. I mean, if they're there for four days, that's four days of them figuring out that your guy's a jerk. You know? <laughs> but just so you know, get this thing moving. Do you have some ideas here? I do. I, mean, I thought of some of the things I have clients on my docket right now I can think of that I want them interacting as little as possible with the jury. <laughs> well, that's Judge, awesome. I really... I really appreciate everything. Uh, just a couple of uh, small follow-ups. You know, one is, you know, first-year attorneys, you know, the reality is they don't go to trial very often, right? But what they do interact with the judge on, even on many issues, is, is motion practice, right? And we've yeah. talked extensively about that. Um, but one thing, and, and this is not just for you, but maybe for Harris County judges or judges in general, is kind of some, if you could put down like two or three tips that you would say, if, if you're a first-year attorney, second-year attorney, and you're in front of a judge, there's three things you need to, you, you should do because it will, it will just make you come off better. Uh, was it, it, was it Twain that, that wrote that if I had more time, I would write, I would be more brief, <laughs> right? Uh, I, you know, we, we've talked, I talked about that when I was, you know, first came out of law school, right? I mean, brevity is what you want. Uh, and the thing is to write in a, in a succinct manner is way harder than to write, you know, in a not succinct manner, because when you don't write to get to the point, you can just throw in, you can be lazy, right? You can add words, right? I mean, and the one thing, one thing I've seen with my interns since I've been uh, there for about 12 years is, you know, when I first got there, interns would uh, edit their paper on paper. Mm -hmm. Right. They would print it out and edit it just like I used to print it out and edit it. And now, you know, I'll ask interns, can I see your edits? Oh, well, judge, I did it on the computer. And, you know, maybe that's possible. But to an old fogey like me, it's <laughs> completely impossible. Right. Because how can I, I, there's too many words. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just like I don't know how you do it. And I mean, maybe it's just because I'm I'm older and I grew up in a way where we actually printed things out and, and edited, edited them. Um, we did and that to, way, but 
and just for a record judge, you know, you're saying you're older. I mean, you're, you're 44, not 106 for <laughs> viewers making it seem like. <laughs> but I mean, but I mean, but it's, you know, we, I just grew up differently, right? I grew up editing differently. And yeah. so, you know, the other thing is, and I just wrote a paper with judge, uh, uh, Latasha Lewis Payne and judge Kirkland. I mean, I'd have to put it aside for a day, mm-hmm. right? Because if I'm, if I'm knee deep in the words, I'm not seeing it, right? I'm I'm too enmeshed in it. And so, but that gets away from your point. So one would be, be brief, right? Mm -hmm. Be as brief as you possibly can. To that end, make sure the court knows what you want, right? And so the thing is, the first thing I would say is like, you know, judge, you should judge in big bold letters, this motion to to compel should be granted and you should order one, two, three in big, bold letters at the very beginning, Yeah. right? Yeah. Because if I have to wait to the very end to figure out what you want, one, you're assuming I'm reading the whole thing, right? Okay, big assumption, right? Yeah. Well, it's huge, right? And sometimes it's not clearly put together at the end. Mm-hmm. So you have a 10-page brief and you've got different sections. You've got, you know, issues dealing with uh, Mrs. Doe, issues dealing with Mr. Doe right? And so you sort of hide the relief you're seeking for each one of them in those distinct portions, but you never come back together at the end and say, this is what we need. Please give us this. That, so that's two. Three, always have a specific order, right? Rather than saying, hey, the motion is granted, say the court grants the following, Right. If the court wants to get rid of everything and just say the court, the motion's granted, the court can do that. Mm-hmm. But give the court some options because and I understand why you do it. Right. You know, it's a lot easier for the court to just say, oh, I just give them everything. I'm, I'm too lazy to interlineate what, <laughs> what I want them to have. But I think you fall into the trap that if if the court's not willing to just give you everything, oftentimes your motion will go unsigned. Yeah. And, Worst part, and, and you know, and I don't know if you picked up on this, Mike, because you were just the one L. But if I don't sign your motion after the hearing right away, it's very hard for me to remember what happened. Yeah, you're not the only hearing I had that day, mm-hmm. and you're likely not the only hearing I had on deposition requests or requests for production or an 18001 affidavit. Right. right. I mean, I, I likely had three that day, and probably 15 since that. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's, it, you have to be in a place and, and this is, you know, I'm writing these tips for Zoom hearings. And so this is, you know, next, my last installment would be like what to do post hearing. Yeah. I would always, I would always make sure I had an order there previously. I would always send an order afterwards. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Because the issue is on a Zoom hearing, because we're backing them up, I don't have time to come off my Zoom to go to, to go sign an order. Mm-hmm. So I likely tell, I tell counsel, listen, I mean, I'm not going to sign an order today. I may sign it this afternoon or I may sign it tomorrow morning, but I may forget about your hearing. Right. If you send a follow-up order the next day to the clerk, they're going to, I mean, if my clerks are awesome, so I can't, I can't guarantee that all the clerks at the, at the civil courthouse are as awesome as mine, <laughs> but uh, I, they'll send it to me right away. I mean, they just forward it on to me. And so, oh, yeah, I forgot to sign that. So let me get back into the system and sign this thing, right? And if there's something that wasn't clear or you didn't feel that you presented well in the hearing, follow up the next day, right? Send a one-page letter. 
mean, you, I think lawyers forget, you know, it's not like a thank you note, right? Because you don't have to send us a thank you note for having a hearing. But if there was a question that was left unanswered, or if you felt you didn't answer it to the best of your ability, because of Zoom, because of the lag in the time between hearing and signing, you have an opportunity to craft an email or craft a little letter and, you know, say, because you can see the judge's docket, right? You can go online and say, oh, Judge Sandoz got hearings from nine to noon. I'm a nine o'clock hearing. Let me get this to him before noon. Because there's no way Judge Sandoz is going to sign anything between that period. Right. So, I mean, you have an opportunity, maybe a finite, really finite, short turnaround, but you have an opportunity to clear things up. And I think it's, you know, that's part of the advocacy part, right? If you feel like, you know, the judges are going to go your way and this is what it hinged on. Maybe you address that issue. Maybe it complicates it more for the judge, and I hate you later. But I mean, <laughs> but the thing is, at least you got your two cents in, right? Uh, you got your two cents in, and you know, may have saved the day for your client, or maybe, you know, not all points are worth litigating, but we litigate them anyway. So maybe it's not worth the time, right? But you, you know, that's a decision that that the lawyers have to make, and not the court. So definitely, definitely, I, I appreciate it. I really do. I mean, you've you have helped young attorneys more than any other judge I know. Um, I, I really mean that. I mean, you're, you're at, at so many high events. You've done so many meetings. You've done a lot. So I really appreciate it. Um, and that's why when everybody, I was coming up with this, I was like, all right, well, I need a judge. Who else could I ask to be on the show? Right. Honestly. So I really, I really do appreciate your time. I appreciate it. No, thank you for asking. You know, it's my pleasure. I think the one thing that, that I've learned, like I said, I'm the first generation lawyer, uh, in my family. Now my brother's a lawyer. So he took a little bit of my glory and of course, <laughs> He, he makes way more money than I do. So, uh, you know, I think it's, it, it's, it's helpful, right? Because I think for me, I didn't, the first time I met a lawyer, I think I was an undergrad. I didn't know a lawyer growing up. And so I think once you become a lawyer and you come from a place where that's, it's not familiar to you, you know, you're still having a hard time fitting in. Yeah. And then, you know, fitting in with other lawyers is one thing, but then to fit in with someone who's in this position, supposed position of authority, mm-hmm. can be even more difficult. And so, and, and, you know, you like, I keep on going back to this because Mike, Mike worked there. Right. I mean, I try to keep it as real as possible. Right. I mean, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a soccer guy. I love my Raspas. Right. I mean, I like, you know, and I, I like talking about and doing things that are, that are fairly normal. And I don't, I'm not, I'm not any different than you. I was just, you know, the right opportunity, right time and a lot of luck. Yeah. Right? I remember that. And, the- I remember it was a hearing that you had and you actually took the attorneys into the back and uh, you're like, look, this is not a search for power or whatever it is. I'm wearing pink Toms for God's sake. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. And, and uh, I think both of them just kind of stopped and I think they just went back and, and did whatever they needed to do to settle the, the issue and came back like, Here, here's what we got. judge." <laughs> you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not any, any smarter. I'm not any better. Uh, I don't, I don't know uh, the recipe to Pepsi or Coke. I don't know, you know, what uh, the colonel puts in KFC. I don't know any of that, right? And so, but the issue is, you know, I, I, I care, right? And I'm, I'm a big proponent of incremental change. And if you see me doing something different than, a, than another court, it's because of that, right? I want, my thing is I can change a little bit every day. And yeah. so at some point that creates big change. And so, you know, that's what, that's what I'm, I'm looking at. I'm looking at, you know, I, I want this profession to be equitable. Mm-hmm. I want the people that come in front of me to feel like, you know, justice was had. And I, 
and I make the point always that my job is to be just and not to be fair. Yeah. The, you know, that job is up to the legislature. If the legislature wants me to be fair. They create fair laws. I, you know, I basically apply those laws. And so justice is the application of the laws that are at hand. And I don't, but no, I appreciate it. I appreciate, uh, you know, lawyers taking the opportunity to, to present judges in a, in a way that doesn't make, that demystifies them. Yeah. Makes the process demystified because it's, especially in the time of Zoom where you don't get to feel and touch and see people. Yeah. I think it's a little bit more, um, it feels a little bit more like magic. And for us, it feels a lot less like magic. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but no, thank y'all. Y'all keep doing what y'all are doing. And if y'all ever need me to, you know, come in and speak to anybody or talk to whomever for whatever reason, right? I think just to talk to people and let them know that everyone's going through a really difficult time, I think is meaningful as well. So uh, I think, you know, and, you know, make sure that you, you both have someone you can reach out to, right? Because it's a tough time. It's, it's both mentally stressing, physically stressing, and emotionally stressing. And so I think we all need some sort of support system. And we don't want uh, people, you know, doing things that are not good to uh, themselves or others. So, yeah, but thank you all for your time. Yeah, thank you so much. So, so where do you, where do you want people to go and reach out and, and find more information about you? Do you, I mean, do you want to put push people to your website? Oh um, yeah, so we're at Jeff Sandil, no H S A N D I L L dot com, mm-hmm. Jeff Sandil dot com, and I'm on Twitter. I'm pretty active on Twitter, RKS one twenty seventh. Uh, I'm on Facebook too, and so you know, I'm just uh, I, I'm out there. I mean, it's it's weird being a judge in Texas, right? Because you're. <laughs> It's just this weird, weird sort of dichotomy of not having to say anything, but then having to run for elections. So it's uh, it's weird, but you know, it's 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 the job I chose. So you know, I'm not I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that it is a it's an odd, odd place to be in. So well, I think to circle back, the the job that was uh, a thrust on you, it almost sounds like that. No, it wasn't thrust. I mean, this was completely my choice, completely <laughs> my choice. And you know, and I and I and I love it, right? I mean, because the issue is, you get to make incremental change, and you get to see real people, and you get to you you get to actually touch the bar, right? Yeah. There's a you know the the job that I ran for two years ago would not have given me that opportunity, right? You're the high nine and you don't get to touch the bar, right? I mean, people may ask me to do a podcast, but the people that, that listen to it will never get to meet me. Right. Right. As yeah. opposed to here, you know, I'm a phone call away. I'm a text away. I mean, I'll likely see you at a happy hour, virtual or in person. Yeah. Right. But I mean, the thing is it's being close to where the action happens is what's so awesome about the trial court bench. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely.